Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 15. And this is just about my favorite verse in the whole Bible, Romans 15, 13. Cody and Megan, when you were sharing with us before the service your story and how the Lord has cared for you and blessed all of you together as a body, um, I, I think our lives have run parallel in some ways. Uh, let me tell you about one moment that I think you'll resonate with and it might help others as well. When Jenny and I were near our end and in deep trouble, soul trouble, we spent a day with David Paulison in Philadelphia. He's a counselor. And I can't remember a single thing the dear man said except for this. He said, okay, you're in a dark place and this is going to take a while. So he said, here's my recommendation. Why don't you ask the Lord for a verse of scripture, a promise, an encouragement from his word, and when it leaps off the page at you, grab onto it, take that promise, that encouragement, and wallpaper your reality with that verse while you get through this. So we did. Great idea. About two weeks later, Jenny was reading 1 Peter chapter 5, and <laughs> kaboom, <laughs> verse 10 was a direct hit. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He's not going to delegate this to an angel. He's going to do this himself. He's going to get personally, directly involved at your point of need. Now may the... Uh, that's sorry, that's our verse. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, we don't have to deserve him. We just turn to him. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore we suffer loss God can make it up confirm we're unsure of ourselves God confirms restore, confirm, strengthen we're weak how do I take my next step strength from above Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Oh, that's when we're thinking, okay, we're back. <laughs> Maybe that verse would help you as you go through your dark night of the soul. Cody, half an hour ago, Jenny and I were talking, as we were driving over here, Jenny and I were talking about this great event today. And what a privilege it is to be with you. And I turned to Jenny and I said, 1 Peter 5.10. We're having 1 Peter 5.10s as the new story of our whole life. It's your life too. We're not special. God gives this to all his children who are suffering. So, Ask the Lord for a verse. 
He'll give it to you and wallpaper your reality with it. Janie actually wrote it out on three-by-five cards and taped it to the inside of the kitchen cupboards so that when she would go get a plate or a glass or something, there it was to remind her. I put on the visor of my pickup to look at it at red light. God makes promises, not only for the future, but to get us through the present. Grab onto one. He is faithful. All right. Now, our verse today. Hardly a day goes by, but I think about this verse. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's why that verse is amazing. My dad pointed this out to me one time. That verse is not just sort of hanging there in midair. That verse concludes all the teaching of the book of Romans. Because after this verse, Paul talks about his future ministry plans and uh, people he's involved with, friends in ministry and so forth. But all this, a Presbyterian friend of mine in Nashville calls Romans the gorilla of the New Testament. This is a theological gorilla, Romans is. Jam-packed with amazing, robust, industrial strength theology. Now, all that great teaching, here's what it actually trans into, translates into at street level. Here's the difference that it makes. Here's where this takes us. A community of hope in a world of rage. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I want that. In these uncertain times, we want to be strong with hope in God. You didn't come to church today for a minor lifestyle upgrade. You didn't, you didn't get in your car and drive down to church because you're thinking, okay, I'm on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm at 6, I'd love to crank it up to 7, so let's go to church. No, everything is on the line. You matter. Your existence so matters. This world will never tell you how much you matter. You've got to get in your car and drive down to church for the preacher to tell you how magnificent you are in Christ, how consequential you are in Christ. The future that you have ahead of you, thanks to Christ. And all this great teaching, not only in Romans, but throughout the Bible, builds into a strong hope to face life as it is. And walk with God together as a community of hope in a world of rage. There are three things in this verse. One, who God is. Two, what God does. Three, how God does it. And as you look into the future now, you've got 10 years together. The Lord is with you. It's obvious. You're not hard to read. 
The Lord's blessing is unmistakable. Now you're looking into the future. Let this verse set the tone. So let's think it through. First, who God is. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Romans has already taught us about God, said a lot about God. For example, this is amazing. He gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. Who's going to defeat him? That's chapter 4. Here's chapter 6. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is not one believer in Christ over the last 2,000 years who has ever sort of upgraded himself to deserve Jesus. And nobody ever will. So it really matters that God is one who gives free gifts and not a petty and small trifling gift, but eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's chapter 6. Here's chapter 8. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. <laughs> the resurrection of your body is part of the gospel message. Not just the salvation of your soul, wonderful though that is, but the humblest part of you, the humblest part of me, our bodies. That's part of this wonderful promise that God has given us in the gospel. The very body of Jesus was raised from the dead. Your very body will be raised, and you are going to be amazing. I think it was C.S. Lewis in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, who said, if we could see right now the humblest saint as he or she will be in glory, we would be tempted to fall at their feet and bow down in worship. You're going to be amazing. And everyone in heaven will like you. That's a new world. That's chapter 8. Here's another one, another one from chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? I love the defiance of that. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, okay, think about that for a minute. If God as God is for us. He's our defender, our advocate. Everything is going his way. He is for us, therefore everything is going our way. And at this very moment, as he is orchestrating human history, at this moment, all the events of history around the world are in some inscrutable but real way advancing our path to glory. We just sang, all fear is gone. Now, sometimes I have to grab myself by the scruff of the neck and I say, Ray Ortland, you remember what you sang last Sunday at church? All right, now, doggone it, you're going to believe it. You know what I mean? But we have something to believe. We have something to say to our scaredy-cat selves when we're getting panicky and uncertain. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then here's another, just one more from chapter 8. Who shall separate us 
from the love of Christ. Well, we can think of a list in our minds. I would put at the top of my list my own self. And then I read the Bible and I have to say, Ray, you know, you're not going to want to hear this, but you're defeated. There is a love upon you from Christ that is greater than the guilt in you. Yeah. Praise God. So, no wonder then, when we come to chapter 15, Paul calls him the God of hope. He's not the God of, here's hoping. He's not the God of iffiness. He is the God of certainty and promise and encouragement and expectancy. The God of hope. And he, what he wants to be to you is the God of hope. Jesus died and rose again so that you can let your full weight down on God as the God of hope. The Bible also calls him the God of peace, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the God of all grace. When the Lord looks at you, he's not struggling to make a decision. It's not for him a 51-49 calculation that he's sort of thinking through. The God of hope, of peace, of mercies, of comfort, of grace, this is just who God is at the deepest substratum of his being. We never know what tomorrow is going to bring. We always know who God is. Even for the undeserving, he is the God of hope. Isn't that the whole point? My dad pointed out something to me uh, in a commentary on the book of Genesis where God says to Abraham, I am almighty God. In other words, Abraham, move all your chips over onto my square and here's why. I'm making you promises. I'm asking you to dare to believe every single one because, because I am Almighty God. And one of the commentators that Dad showed me, sort of, he select, double-click, here's what comes up on the screen. I am Almighty God, able to fulfill your highest hopes and accomplish for you the brightest ideal that my words ever set before you. There is no need to pare my promise down until it squares with human probabilities. No need to relinquish one hope my promise has given you no need to adopt some interpretation of it which may make it seem easier to fulfill. No need to strive to fulfill this promise in any second-rate way. All possibility lies in this. I am Almighty God. He is your Almighty God through Christ. So God's not pushing against any door that won't open. He's not nervously working on plan B. Nothing can ever defeat him or set him back. And our part simply is to receive him with the empty hands of faith. And he pours into, his, into our hands all his promises. Glorious and unqualified. So we say, all right, Lord, you win. 
You are the God of hope. It's who you are. I believe it. Okay, that's who God is. Secondly, what God does. What God does. Now may the God of hope, that's who he is. Here's what he does. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does the God of hope help us real time right now? He fills us. What difference does it make? He fills us with all joy and peace so that we abound in hope. Now, obviously, he is not promising here that everyday life will be just one ongoing zippity-doo-dah joyride. That is not real life. The Bible is the most realistic book in the world. About half of the Psalms are laments. And that's part of worship. The Psalms. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. But the word abound means, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. That word abound means that in all of the losses and sorrows and tears and buffetings of this life, to our own surprise, we keep bouncing back. That's abounding in hope. So we get, we get beaten up along the way. We wonder, what on earth was that about? And, and maybe we lie on there, there on the ground for a while and, and, and wonder if we're ever going to get up. But we, we, do, we get up, dust ourselves off. And, whew, glad that's over. Okay, here we go. That's abounding in hope. That's why Romans 8 says we are more than conquerors. Here's what that means. We're going along through the journey of life. We get body slammed in some unimaginable way. We get up again. And we keep going. And when we get up again, because of what Jesus, how he has visited us, helped us, when life is at its worst, we find ourselves getting through that. We love him more than we did before. Now, wait a minute. That, it's not supposed to work that way. We're supposed to start hating him now. But we, we, we get body slammed. He gets us through it. He visits our souls. He is real to us. We take a deep breath. We find our hearts love him more deeply than we did before. That's how we are more than conquerors. Corey Ten Boom, who suffered in that Nazi concentration camp during World War II, said, there is no pit so deep, but Christ is deeper still. This world breaks our hearts. But our joy and peace will dance on the grave of every heartache, not because we gain final control, but because the risen Jesus gets the final say about every single one of us. I wonder what it's going to be like 
when we actually step into heaven. And God has been so faithful to every promise. And maybe this is sort of cartoonish in my imagination, but so here's how I see it going down. I step into heaven, there's Jesus about 10 feet away. And uh, he says, would you like a hug? <laughs> and I say, yeah. <laughs> so he wraps me up in this great big bear hug, right? And he says, take your time. I'm in no hurry. And, and so I'm in this big bear hug, right? And, and I'm, I'm feeling healing. Sort of seep down in the deepest parts of me. I'm starting to feel what it's like to be alive. I'm starting to feel what it's like to be human. And it feels really good. And so maybe a year goes by. He's fine with that. And, and I say to him, okay, Lord, I think I'm ready now. He says, great. So I stand up. He stands up. <laughs> and he says, um, can I show you around? I say, sounds great. Lead the way. Off we go. What if that's your future? Anger goes down. Anxiety goes down. Hope rises. Relief and calm rise. We are a community of that hope in a world of frustration and rage and anxiety and attack. All this great theology of Romans, this is where it takes us. This is the impact. What does God do? He fills us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope Here's, here's a, a fact of history. I wrote a, <clears throat> I read, I, sh I should say, a, a, a very interesting book by an archaeologist, an Italian archaeologist, entitled Daily Life in Ancient Rome. Here's what he said at one point. Obviously, they had no building codes in the ancient world. So most people lived in apartment buildings. Only the very elite lived in a proper home. So, and these apartment buildings were so poorly built, so shoddy, that he said, quote, the city was constantly filled with the noise of buildings collapsing. And the tenants of an apartment lived in constant expectation of its coming down on their heads. So you, if, you, if we could get a time machine and go back to ancient Rome and just stand on the sidewalk and listen there's a good chance we could hear this off in the distance. There goes another apartment building. 
That's where the Christians lived. That's where they raised their families. That's where they had their small groups. And Romans 15, 13 is perfect for them and for us as their world and our world fall apart. The kingdom we belong to is not falling apart. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Everything is going his way. And if we belong to him and he's for us, then everything is going our way. So we're going to live with our heads held high and with some sparkle in our eye and some spring in our steps, steel in our spine, because it's in the Bible. And we're a community of hope in a world of rage. That's what God does, that he fills us with all joy and peace in this real world so that we abound in hope, we just keep getting up again. Thirdly, so who God is, what God does, finally, how he does it. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there are two parts to the how question in a practical sense. There's our part in believing. There's God's part by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at our part. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. What does that mean? It means... I look at my life as it is. And I decide to treat the promises of God as real and relevant to whatever it is I see there. Your reality, my reality, are a perfect fit for the promises of God throughout the gospel. And we can help one another believe, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer points out in Life Together. When the faith in my heart gets weak, and sometimes it does, then I'm with you, but the faith in your heart is strong, and somehow that rubs off on me, and then we might reverse that ministry tomorrow, but together, we're going to get through this. A community of hope. We make surprising progress. What's God's part? The power of the Holy Spirit. Because, <laughs> you know, I read this verse and something inside me says, okay, that's great. It's in the Bible. I'm not going to say it isn't true. But, you know, honestly, I'm just not like that. All joy and peace. And it's just not my personality. But who of us is like this? <laughs> this is for people like me. This is for people like you. This is miracle. Ongoing day-by-day, non-spectacular, real, powerful miracle from above by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're thinking, as I honestly think too, you know, I really am not good at this. God says, no problem, I've got this. Romans 15, 13 is for people who are lousy at Christianity. Because of the phrase, by the power of the Holy Spirit. God enters in. God does for us, in us, through us, what we just can't muster up within ourselves. So, if you need a moment-by-moment miracle to help you take the next step and do the next right thing, God says, I specialize in that. Let's walk together.
true story. I conclude with this. 1851, a group of British missionaries were on board a ship at the very southernmost tip of South America, not far from Antarctica. They were waiting at anchor, waiting in a bay for the supply ship to rendezvous with them and bring them food and so forth. Something delayed the supply ship and everybody on board that ship, all those missionaries, died of cold and starvation. One of them, Richard Williams, kept a journal. A few weeks before he died, he wrote this. Poor and weak though we are, our abode, this ship, our abode is a very Bethel to our souls. God is here. And God, we feel and know, is here. And several weeks later, as he was dying, and I believe this was his final entry in the journal. They found this when they finally showed up. Here's what he wrote. Should anything prevent my ever adding to this, let all my loved ones back home rest assured that I was, listen to this, that I was happy beyond all expression the night I wrote these lines and would not have changed places with anyone alive. That is Christianity. That miracle is what God, through the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we trust in it, that is what God gives. And there is nothing in this world that created that power. There is nothing in this world that can defeat this power. Satan has lost. You are winning. Let's trust him and trust him and trust him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. -on -one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.